welcome to How to Train Your Workforce, a podcast with practical tips to help level up the training plans in your organization. I'm your host, David King. Join me as I tap into the expertise of HR and training leaders to improve your workforce training. Most organizations think about customer service, the physical actions of fulfilling customer needs. But not all think equally about customer experience, the emotional journey of customers encountering those actions. Yet the way we feel about our experiences with a brand or organization is the defining factor in our relationship towards that brand or organization. And every organization has customers, internal as well as external. So in this podcast, we unpack the concept of customer experience and look at practical tips any organization can use to create training for their workforce, which enhances that experience. Today, we're joined by Marion Lawy, who's going to help us understand some of the practical aspects of improving customer experience in your organization. Marion is a teacher, a trainer, a coach, a university lecturer, and above all, a lifelong learner, someone after my own heart. She has taught in educational settings from Outback Australia to the UK and Europe, and has worked in numerous other fields who fund her love of travel. Marion's mission these days is to design and facilitate learning and engagement experiences that support people to be the best we can be for ourselves, our communities, and for a sustainable future. Welcome, Marion. Thank you, David, and welcome, listeners. Yeah, thank you for having us. I must admit, you've, you've said my favourite things, a lifelong learner and a love of travel. I'm the same way. I feel like I, I exist, I have jobs in order to fund my travel habit, basically. Have you gone with that... Uh, inability to travel during COVID? Is that eating away at you like it is at me? Uh, It really isn't, but it has absolutely underlined my reluctance to ever watch a travel program or read a travel supplement in a newspaper. I I just don't want to know about it. It's tease, isn't it, when we get all these things? Yeah. Uh, I subscribe to a magazine, International Travel, and they started publishing again going, the world is back. I'm like, well, I'm not sure it really is just yet. But uh, yeah, it's definitely... I'm, def- I'm definitely feeling it that I want to get out and about. Mm. Now, it's not a travel podcast. I could talk about that all day with you. Today, we're going to dive into a really interesting topic uh, around customer experience and training in this area. And so, Marianne, let's begin with the basics. What is customer experience? I think it's the easiest to understand customer experience if you take the perspective of a customer, which shouldn't be hard to do because we're all customers in different ways. And the easy, obvious one is, say, in a retail context, when you are in a bricks and mortar context, you walk into a shop and what, what is the customer service like? But what is the customer experience like? It's slightly different because it's not just about being served. It's about that experience of what you're looking at, how you feel, what the vibe is. Uh, and that's created in a lot of different ways. Uh from the look of the place, the feel of the place, what the, what the actual um, service or, or what, what is for sale. So that all adds up to your customer experience. But the role of the person who is serving you, so the customer service, um, is a huge part of that customer experience. And it doesn't matter how much, that, so sticking with retail, bricks and mortar, it doesn't matter how much that retailer does to create a beautiful experience for you in terms of the the um, the lighting, the yep. carpet, you know, the, the kind of things that, that we don't even know appeal to us but but do on a subconscious level. doesn't matter how much effort goes into that if the people who are working with you, for you, serving you 
aren't really matching that experience. And similarly, if it's an online, again, a retail experience, you know, if you just, there's a lot more to that service, you know, that clicking that button or the way that that website is sorted, all of the things need to align the promise that the brand is giving you needs to be fulfilled through every part of your experience as a customer, so the customer journey, if you will. And then take that from retail to all those other kinds of ways in which we have a service, an experience, an interaction. Uh, and that could even be, you know, in, t- in terms of the this podcast now, our listeners are having an experience and, in a sense, they are our customers for what we're doing. And it's really important that they have a good experience with us or they're not going to come back. Yeah, I think, I think that's where I wanted to expand on straight away is I get the retail part and I think that's a great analogy people can relate to because we're all involved in retail as customers. But who else is a customer? If we can just unpack or define that a little bit more. So you've mentioned, I guess it's it's stakeholders to a, to a degree, I guess, but maybe it's a little bit different to that. I mean, how do we define a customer in the broader sense of this discussion? Yeah, so it's anyone who uses our service. Uh, and again, there's that kind of line between service and experience. Uh, and in that sense, we're also, while we all have an experience of being a customer, we all have experience of providing a customer service. So whatever your role is, so say you're working in HR, you're, um, if you're recruiting, you're recruiting for a hiring manager. That hiring manager is your customer. The people that you're recruiting, your resources are also customers in a sense. Uh, and as the uh, hiring manager, the people in HR, your recruitment people, are they're providing you a service, but you are also providing an internal service to other people in your organisation. So we are really all customers and we are all providing a customer service, even though we may not think of our roles as that. And I've done some work with, uh, with organisations where we talk about, you know, everyone in the room says what their job title is. Yeah. We all describe... Uh, often those job titles don't mean very much. We all describe what our role actually is and more often than not, those jobs come down to people in some fashion. Even the most technical role is providing something at some point for people. Otherwise, our jobs wouldn't be needed. And that's that's the point at which, yeah. yeah. That's a really good point, actually. I like that. Um, We're not islands working in isolation, no matter what the, the role is. You're obviously talking very passionately about this. What's captured your interest in customer experience? Kind of how did you zoom in or focus in on this as something that needed help with training or help in outside organisations? One of the jobs that I did to fund my uh, my travel um, was as a customer service officer. And I really, really um, appreciated suddenly the role of people <laughs> providing that direct customer service job. So, you know, I, I was in a call centre basically and it's the kind of thing that people think, oh, no, not a call centre, that's the yeah. worst thing in the world. Uh, not necessarily because, you know, it was a great bunch of people, I made lifelong friends, funded my travel. Um, but you really feel for the people at the other end of that line, you're making a difference to somebody's day when you provide a good service and it, and you lift yourself up as well. You know, when you when you make someone else's life easier, you make your own life more worthwhile, more pleasant. I have friends who work in, um, you know, they, they check people in for an airline. And when they are able to help somebody to go above and beyond the basic, that makes their day. It, it doesn't just make the customer's day. It makes everyone's day to be able to be, you know, do your job well. 
That's that's a really good point, actually. Um, job satisfaction can come from delivering great customer experience. It's a bit of a win-win. Your customer is happy and you're happy. My daughter, um, who's in uni, works at Apple in retail, um, who obviously very much focus on customer experience. And she's learned a lot through that. And I know when she comes home, when she's had a good or bad day, depending on how well she's been able to help people. And, you know, Apple's very good about allowing her to spend significant time with customers mm. to solve their problems, not just sell, but really solve it. Yeah. And I can see the linkage between the success she's had in people, helping those people and her end of day kind of energy uh, when she's there. Yeah. What, um, before we get into practicalities, what are some of the benefits of customer experience? I mean, why should our, our listener today be thinking that this is something we need to invest a bit more time in or training in, even if we're not in retail, but um, what's, what, does good customer experience either create or prevent, you know, bad things from happening? What's kind of the beneficial outcomes here? I think um, just just picking up on your point there, I think it's even more important when you're not in retail because it's yep. not as obvious. But that's true, yes. So when you're in retail, it's, you know, if the customers aren't coming in the door, you know, you're going to look at your customer service. Uh, but I think there's a, there are... In the, the less obvious contexts, it is more important because we are all like even in, in even in a government agency, there is still competition for our service, and we still have uh, uh, a need to provide a satisfactory experience for our customers yep. because even though they can't necessarily walk away and pay their rates, for example, somewhere else, um, they can certainly make their dissatisfaction very obvious and and it comes back to again to that employee engagement to you know like you said to having had a good day coming home feeling like your time has been well spent whatever our business is we want our our end user whatever that customer may be to have a good experience we want our net promoter score to be good if that's a thing that we can uh, if it's not so going back again to that example of a government agency a government business if you will we want our people to be engaged. We want our people to be happy at the end of the day. And if they're not able to provide a, a good service to their internal customers, their external customers, then that's a that's a real gap in that employee engagement. Do you think um, fair comment that um, you know social media, internet, um, instant communication, and everything that exists now versus 40 years ago has therefore just heightened this issue of customer experience since the ability for me to share good or bad experiences in any way is just so much easier now. It's like harder to hide the bad experiences in a, in a way. Uh, maybe, but at the same time, our, our customer base wasn't that wide before. You know, if our if our business was a local business, um, the, the word of mouth was still there. People still talked. So the fact that uh, somebody could tweet and someone on the other side of the world might might learn that I've provided a, a poor experience, those people may not be my customers anyway. It's uh, it's right. still the that kind of local word of mouth. I think is is really important. The rare occasions when something hits the headline, I think are are, are, are rare occasions where things can really tank badly. Yeah, uh, and we know that people share bad news more than good news, whatever the format, whatever the channel. That's a good point. Yeah. So even, I guess, even if you feel like social media is not a thing for what you're doing, it doesn't, it doesn't change the fact that we all still talk. Uh, that part exists. Okay, cool. All right. Let's start to jump into some practical things. And so I know you've got a few thoughts here on what um, 
organizations can start to do around training in this area. Where, where should we begin the discussion? Kind of what's the initial point we want to kick this off with? I think it's around really understanding who your customers are. Okay. And we've sort of talked about that in a, in a few different contexts. And it comes down to an understanding for your decision makers for a start as to um, how important this is. And if it is something as basic as a net promoter score, it's pretty obvious, you know, that you, you need to do something about that. Uh, or it could be uh, maybe there's an ombudsman involved who's getting a lot of complaints about your service. Um, maybe it's just uh, something that you're, you know, you need you should be measuring customer satisfaction in some way. And it could be, again, if it's not a really clear end user sort of customer, then it's around looking, working with your people to look at who are your customers. And you mentioned stakeholders before. So we have stakeholders that we need to keep satisfied to in many different contexts. Uh, so who are our customers? Who are our stakeholders? And then what is our promise to them? Because if our promise to them is just to give them something cheap and quick, that's all we need to worry about, then the experience needs to be cheap and quick. But if we're promising something more than that, we're trying to differentiate ourselves in some way, then that, that we need to understand what is the promise that we are offering and then how do we keep that promise. I like this idea of a promise that we're offering. I can see how that's a good framework for when you've got internal or external customers. Um, like I, and I think maybe the external customer one through this is a little bit easier in the discussion, but when your customer is internal, I was wondering how would you kind of set it up in the internal discussion to say to someone, these people are your customers. And I like this, what's your promise to them? Mm-hmm. Any tips on how you have that discussion when it's internal customers in particular? So how do you sit down, you know, with a bunch of technical people or, you know, which with a bunch of project managers or something and say, hey, you, you do have customers, you are providing yeah. a service. How do you kind of frame this promise discussion with them? It comes a little bit back to your position description to what are you, you know, what are, you, what are we all here for? Uh, and and again, having that, you know, it could be around a whiteboard, maybe with particular team leaders and looking at what is our role, how do we interlink? So it's like a stakeholder ecosystem, an internal ecosystem. Where do we all link up and what are our expectations of each other? So generally you do have, you know, it's pretty hard to provide any kind of business outcomes without a team of some sort. And if you're, you know, I'm thinking of a reasonably, a reasonable sized organisation could have management meetings on some kind of basis and they'll be representing different parts of an organisation and they will have expectations of each other. You know, I need my IT person to be bringing me this. Oh, great. Well, I'm in IT. I need my resources to be bringing me this. So it's a pretty, uh, you know, you have your representation from across an organisation sitting around a table, have the discussion, what do we expect from each other and then how do we fulfil those expectations and it, as I said before, it is around people. It comes down to not just the uh, not just the lines on the page but it is a stakeholder ecosystem. Look at those lines on the page. How do people interrelate in that? What are the expectations of each other? And do we need to make some changes to meet those expectations? Expectations. I was, I was waiting for that to come up in the discussion, obviously, because that's, yeah, part of how I know if I've got good customer service is I had a set of expectations. Mm-hmm. On this point of this stakeholder ecosystem and, and the promises we make to each other um, and to our customers, internal or external, 
How formalized do those promises need to be? Are we talking like service level agreements or can this be done through more of a, a conceptual discussion or an agreement, that sort of thing? Where, where are we on how formalized this needs to be? A very contextual response to that, I suppose. It really depends yeah. on the organisation. Um, some would require some kind of SLA. If it's a smaller organisation, then we just need to, you know, have a face-to-face -face discussion around um, what what do we, how do we work together? So it, it doesn't need to be formalised. But it could be things as simple as, you know, when you um, when you take a phone call from a colleague, I think sometimes we do still take phone calls from colleagues. Um <laughs> How do I answer the phone? You know, what is my, what, how do I help that person? Or do I get up and walk over to their desk if we work in the same building? So it's those little kind of things. And, you know, how do I, uh, who am I at work when I'm engaging with my colleagues? Because every one of those is a stakeholder interaction to a degree. So in some ways it comes down to team culture or workplace culture, the organisation culture, which is a little, a little bit more on the experience side and a little less on the service side, yep. uh, but I think the simple answer is it depends on the organisation if you need to have a formal agreement or not. I guess in any event, what we're trying to do is manage the expectations to some degree so that they understand what I'm capable of doing or what my promise to them is. And I guess if someone can understand that, they are prepared to accept that. So if, if it is, I'm going to take at my promise to you as we get this thing dealt with in two days. Hopefully it gives you two days of breathing space to deal with that issue and they're not hassling you through the two yeah. days because they understand it. Is that a fair yeah. statement? Is that something we're trying to achieve? Yeah, I think so. Um, and whether it's two days or to a certain standard, whether it's around time or, you know, I can do it within these budgets, um, you know, often there, there could be a budget conversation. So if I kind of take it back to the IT thing again, um, or even, you know, an engineer can do anything. Just how long have you got? What budget do you have? There is no yeah. limit. So let's. Um, so when we when we're trying to plan something, we need to, it's it's kind of basic project planning, right? How long is this going to take? What is it going to cost? What level of quality are we going to produce here? Uh, and that is something that if you're making a retail purchase, you have a really clear understanding of. I'm spending a um, hectare of money on this pair of trainers. They are going to be, you know, really amazing, or this car, or whatever it is. Uh, in an internal service sort of situation, I, I have some expectations around how you answer the phone, how you turn up to a meeting. Um, and if it's in a, a manager to team, you know, you should be setting those expectations very clearly. This is maybe a little, a little again, more around team culture, but I expect this from you as my team member. Yep. You can expect from this from me as your manager. And I expect this from you in terms of how you treat each other and work together. And I think that can be a really very robust and open conversation. Yeah, I like the sounds of that. So let's then let's let's say then this first piece then is about understanding your customers, identifying them, who they are, and your promises that you're making to them and communicating that. Yeah. Um, let's move on to the next practical thing. So what's what's the next issue to raise or a thing to identify or kind of step in the process here? I think it's around uh, just clarifying the kind of service versus experience. What do, what do we mean by that? And if we so if we're if we're talking about um, how you might be using this as a, in the training context, talk with your people about their experiences of service, of bad service, of good service. Uh, have those tell some stories. You know, storytelling is great around how it uh, connecting with other people's experiences. So then you've got the kind of fact of the situation: what happened? And then the next question is: how did that make you feel? 
And that's what takes it from service into experience. How did it make you feel? Uh, and having those conversations with, you know, if you're in a training context, you can see, uh, you can almost step back because the people in the room can, can have that conversation with very few prods from themselves. They'll be asking each other, what happened then? And, oh, yeah, I know what you mean. I had that experience. You know, this is what happened. And you can be quietly kind of making notes in the background or on the whiteboard in front of them, um, even an uh, electronic whiteboard, say virtual whiteboard, if that's what you need to do, just listing the kind of features of that service. You know, it was slow. Uh, it cost too much. It cost more than I expected. They didn't seem to care. So whatever those features of that bad service were, and then how did that make you feel? I felt frustrated. I felt like they didn't care. I felt my time was being wasted. I was angry. I was peed off. So that's how you can really draw that line between service and experience. How did it make you feel? This is an interesting point. Um, I feel like a lot of training sometimes is a little afraid to move into the area of emotions. The frame, the training is very formal. It's very processed. It's very structured. But this is definitely one where emotions feel extremely important. And I love the way that you frame that up, kind of actions versus emotions, doing versus feeling. Mm -hmm. And given that, as we stated at the start, we're all customers of retail at the very least, we probably all mm -hmm. have some strong yeah. feelings about those times where it's gone very well or very badly um, and, and, bringing that, and bringing that up. Once you get the, the actions versus the emotions out, the kind of to define that, What's kind of the end game of this piece when we're defining service versus experience in this part of the training? What are we seeking to resolve here or kind of get to the end of in this bit? Do we want, do we want people to acknowledge this is an emotional thing? Do we want them mm. to feel charged up about it? Kind of what's the goal here in defining service versus experience? First thing is to, for them to, and, and I will pause at that point where we've kind of got to the, we've kind of got out all those grrr feelings yep. and then ask people, so actually, how are you feeling now? Has this raised some things for you? And it generally has, because, you know, when you're telling a grrr story, you start feeling kind of grrr and you can see people and it, um, a, a key reason for doing this is that it engages them in the training. You can yep. see them kind of, you know, coming into the conversation a bit more, people who are, uh, less likely to participate, you know, they're going to sit back. Everyone's different. Not everyone wants to jump in and tell their guru story, but even the ones who aren't, they're still feeling the guru. So I really want to, I really surface that and acknowledge it and say, look, I hope I haven't really triggered anyone too badly at this point. Come and have a chat with me after if we have. But the next conversation, the next topic I want to take you to here is, first of all, where do you feel that in your body? And do you need to breathe through that a bit? So we have a little moment of managing our own emotions because when we're providing service, whether it's to um, our colleague on the other side of the, 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 um, the desk when we used to do that or on the phone or whatever it is, we get into that as well. We feel the emotions of the people we're pr providing a service to or having that conversation with and we need to manage our own emotions as much as uh how we respond to other people. So that's a really key part of the customer experience is how we manage the feels as well as the facts. So then obviously the next step in this training is tell us about a good experience because then we want to get some happy uh, endorphins, happy blood chemistry yep. happening um, and have some smiles and recognise that there's really good things that we have experienced. They make us feel good and we want our customers to feel like that too. 
And I guess we get that, as we mentioned at the start, if we can get the customers feeling good, we get the reciprocal. Absolutely. Feel good ourselves, yeah. Mm-hmm. So what I'm hearing is that by linking the emotions in to the training here um, and surfacing them and recognizing that we do feel emotional when giving service and giving experience, then the, the practical skill we need is the ability to manage our own emotions at that at that point is kind of the skill outcome that we're probably leading to in this part of the discussion. Is that is that kind of a correct summary there? Yes. So how we manage so managing ourselves um, definitely, and really recognizing the um, the impacts that it can have on it, not just on our day but on our long term health as well. Mm. Uh, if we are in stressful situations where we are uh, dealing with aggro from customers or from demanding, you know, if you're in the marketing department, if you're looking after a graphic design team, if you're the graphic designer, everyone wants a piece of you. No one can get enough of you. Plus they're all doing their own little graphic designs, which are probably just as good as yours. Um, And can't they just use that, even though they've just knocked it up on PowerPoint, you spent three years at uni and actually have some artistic skill. Um, I'm not a graphic designer myself. I've just seen it happen. (laughs) Um, so all of those kind of things you need to your own um, aggravation and frustration it can play out quite uh, in in quite poor health outcomes over the long term so um, if we we have people working for us they are our key resource we need to look after them and so our customers are really important but our people are super important too and we want them both to be having uh, low stress good feels so this is a little bit about, yeah, managing yourself, managing your breathing, taking a break, your body language, all of that kind of stuff that helps you manage yourself in the moment. So if I'm doing this training, I will go into quite a few techniques around that. And people, you know, that's people will actually, when I've run this training, they do talk about, oh, this will be great next time my four-year-old, 12-year-old, yes. 14-year-old. I, uh, I feel for you and, and I I sympathize and can relate to that experience you're discussing now I was also just thinking as you're um, explaining that that experience I've had and I'm sure many people have where you've been in a good restaurant and the food is very good but you can see the wait staff are just a little under the pump or Mm. it's not quite going according to plan and you can you can feel it radiating out of them there's just a bit of stress it's taking you a while to get some service and when it comes it's not the smile on the face it's not and it's kind of leaking out onto you. Their bad emotions, their stress leak out onto you as the customer. And, and while the food's good, the decor's good and everything, that physical presence there is very important. And I'm feeling those emotions from them. I'm feeling stressed for the wait staff on that night. Yeah. Yeah. So I can see how that kind of leaks out uh, onto our side. Yeah. So let's let's say then in this step we're, um, we're very much defining service versus experience and we're drawing out these emotions and then how to kind of self-manage them. Um, what's a final thing we can talk about today? We can expand on that or what's kind of a final point here, a practical point that we can take away in this customer experience process? The the logical next thing around that is the empathy then that we have for the customer's experience. So I know how I feel. I can have some understanding of what my, my customer is experiencing and what can I do in response to that. So I would always say the safety of my staff comes first uh, and then my customer's experience is, is um, a very, very tiny close second, uh, but my people come first. So now that we've got that kind of a little bit um, addressed, 
then it's the, the customer's experience. And, and that can now be addressed from the perspective of the staff member who is now going, okay, I can feel this in my body. I can observe it in that person's body. So have a really focused uh, kind of session um, or, or part of the session on empathy. What does that actually mean? And how do we experience it? And how do we share without losing ourselves in that customer's experience and respond to that? So we're not just reacting to the customer, we're responding to the customer. We've taken that moment to manage ourselves. Now, how do we uh, provide uh, an enhanced customer experience? And so depending on how we're running the training, you know, the person who's doing this training might like to use some, um, you know, kind of system one, system two thinking, you know, your immediate response versus your slower considered response. They might like to talk about the lizard brain and, you know, how do we manage our amygdala, amygdala hijack hacks, that, you know, that, that kind of thing to help people understand the brain chemistry and not take it so personally. So understanding how we can respond to the customer and help the customer get a better experience. Even something you might want to get as specific as using the, um, the SCARF model, so David Rock's SCARF model, um, and that one is, I think, is a lot more important for that kind of internal sort of process where you really have the opportunity to address status, certainty, you know, all those kind of things. Uh, and you know, depending on who's listening to this podcast, you may love SCARF, you may think it's un- overrated, you may not know what it is, so you can go and look it up, S-C-A-R-F, uh, or you may have another model that, that works for you and your people. But whatever it is, it's about uh, um, having that person first and resolving, you know, you're not just dealing with customers, you're not just uh, managing frequent flyers, you're actually, they're, they're humans, we're all people, so let's take it from there. I think this is really interesting. Um, I'm having to stop my own mind from racing ahead here with thoughts as you bring this up, this concept of empathy driving the customer experience um, and, the, and the journey we've got to to get to this point. We haven't rushed straight, straight to it. Um, uh, empathy is a very tricky thing to teach, though, um, for, for a lot of people. Is it, is it something that can be taught or is it something that's innate? I mean, how much can a framework or skill practice drive empathy? Is it something that we can raise standards in and just about anybody? I think we can learn about it. Yep. That's the first thing. Uh, and people will have different innate capacities to experience empathy. And even if someone has a very low innate capacity for empathy, they can, they are still potentially will have an intellectual capacity to understand it and practice it. So, and by, by starting this conversation in that kind of person first, how do I feel, um, got from facts to feelings and putting myself first, then we can look at the, take empathy from there. And we get that, you know, there's a few different models. Again, as you're listening to this podcast, you may have your favourite kind of empathy models. Yep. There's a couple of different ones, um, even just thinking of the sphere of control, right? So uh, I have the sphere of things I personally can control. Outside that, we have the sphere of things I can influence, So I can't actually do this for you, dear customer, but I can ask the manager or I can talk to the people in IT or whatever it is, I can try and achieve something for you. And beyond that is is a circle, there's another circle, and that's the circle of care or the sphere of care. I can't control it, I can't influence influence it, but I can still give a damn. So 
what does that look like in the practice of of whatever it is that we're doing? I, I still care. That's a really interesting thought. I mean, I don't I don't know how many if I just start with retail, I don't know how many retail hospitality people get trained on empathy. Um, full stop, right? They probably get trained on customer service, you know, how to ask questions, how to listen, but not mm-hmm. on empathy, which is a very interesting outcome then of today's discussion that maybe the empathy thing should be a little bit higher. And even internally, that issue of working with internal stakeholders, internal customers, providing that internal experience, whether it's EQ or empathy or something to be yeah. more aware of the other person. Um, and I think you've really resonated with me on that relationship between my ability to empathize with my customer and my ability to use that to deliver good experience, um, good experience for them. Um, I certainly know um, one of my mentors a long time ago told me the best thing I can do because I all, usually just want to spring into action mode, solutions yeah. mode, yeah, yeah, is to actually say, let me think about that for a moment um, and just pause and think about it maybe for a day, maybe for a minute and come back with a more considered response it might still be the same response I was going to give, but at least I have considered it or given, and the customer feels I have considered it and not rushed to something. Um, yeah. Okay. How does, um, how, how, how far do you take the empathy training in a very technical IQ high internal environment? If we just move out of retail for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How far can we take that? Is it enough to become aware of it and understand it? Or how far do we want to push on? some of these things as a final thought in this area? And it's contextual. Um, but before I address that, David, I just want to go back to what you just said around that take a moment. Yep. Um, that's That also stops you overcommitting because if you're really, like you're really strong in maybe you're a people pleaser, maybe you're highly empathic, you just you want to fix things, you're a, an action person right. um, and you probably can fix it, but should you? And so I think that advice is really good as well to take that time, take a moment, take a breath, take a day, and then you can make sure that you do meet expectations because you're not overcommitting. So I think that's a good note to self. Thank you, David. <laughs> uh, so then so then in terms of the empathy thing, you know, yes, yeah. if it's a highly technical, high IQ, maybe low EQ kind of uh, um, work context, um, it can be around, it can, you know, we still have expectations for ourselves and maybe um, it's it's around setting those expectations. So if we're a team of database architects, um, you know, what, what do we, how do we work? Who are our customers? Maybe it's the, the people in the banking section or it's the people in the marketing section and vice versa. It still comes back to expectations. Um, and I have had the conversation with an, with an engineer once um, where he did something in a, in a meeting with some, some community people. Yep. And I just afterwards just said to him, look, can I have a really robust conversation with you? This is what this is what you think you did. This is what they think you did. And I just acted it out and made it. It was just the two of us um, and it was funny and, and he got it because he was a smart guy. So it doesn't, you know, there's no wrong or right in this. It's about perceptions and it's about at the end of the day, what do you want to achieve? Maybe it's not to make those people happy. But if it's about to get it's if it's about getting the design approved and built, then let's focus on that outcome. What are the steps we need to take to achieve that? Oh, and keeping our customers at least informed or meeting our customer expectations. So, you know, it's a pretty straight uh, intellectual equation as well. That's actually a, probably a good point to wrap this little bit of the discussion on, I guess, and reflecting on it while you're talking that 
if we have a high IQ group of people and we need to teach them empathy, they're at least high IQ enough to understand the concepts and to get it. And even if they're then faking it to a degree by following some structures, eventually yeah. that might settle in as, as a more natural behavior. Um, I feel like we could go on for a long time here, but um, for the interest of our listener, I think we've got a lot of good practical things they can take away uh, here, which I'll summarize in a minute. But usually at the end of the pod, I just like to go through a couple of uh, questions we ask everybody just to help draw out a couple of little gems of knowledge from you to share with the community. Uh, So I've got my usual three questions we'll go through. So the first one is, um, what's a tip you can give to organizations to help them get training more prioritized in their organization or to get it further up the food chain, further into the budget, kind of to get some training prioritized? I'm all about feedback and metrics. So I I work in a kind of engagement evaluation space as well as in training. Every time I offer training, every time I conduct training, I gather feedback on that. Um, So if you can just get one little trial program happening, get the feedback on that, put it into a chart, put it into your next report, demonstrate the changes that you can make with the training. Uh, Alternatively, there's always those lag indicators of, oopsie, our net promoter score is going down or look at all this negative feedback we're getting from customers or look at these issues we're having with the, you know, there are problems here that must be addressed and training is a way to address them. Yeah, perfect. I'm a big believer in that pre and post training, that demonstration of change, uh, pre and Mm. post polling demonstration Mm. of change as you go through it. So I totally agree with that. Um, What's the status quo you'd like to see overturned in training? Um, or something that we could challenge as a status quo in workplace training? Um, One of the, this often happens in a kind of a a regulatory training sort of context is um, you need to do this, tick off this box, um, watch these videos. Um, I I think we all know that if that's the case, then the people who are watching those videos are going to be um, maybe even watching them with the sound off while they clean the kitty litter out, I don't know. It is possible to have that kind of training in a more sticky, like this, the learning can stick, engaging way. Um, please don't ever make me just watch a 23-minute video and tell me I've been trained. That's... I agree. Um, if we ever see 23-minute training videos in any tribal habits module, we've immediately got a problem. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. it's Look, you can do 23-minute videos if the quality of what we're watching is as good as the office or Brooklyn Nine-Nine, or a high-quality drama-intensive written thing, but it's probably yes. not. So there we go. Hey, what's a favourite um, resource, book, person, industry group, framework, something um, that helps you improve in training? And you've mentioned quite a few frameworks today, which is great. So anything that you just like to share with the community that helps you kind of improve in training? I'd like to take uh, something maybe that's more of a tool, I don't know, a coaching. Anyway, my answer is coaching. So you can do that one-on-one. You can do that with a group. Uh, I've seen some organisations where they have kind of like a training menu. And when someone's been with the organisation for some time, they're like, oh, I've done all the ones in there that I want to do. So then let's branch out and look at um, taking that uh, empowerment of the person, that autonomy, that employee engagement by really focusing in a, it could just be a one-off, a one-on-one an hour, it could be a, um, you know, if you're going to pay several hundred dollars for training, then why not pay several several hundred dollars for a couple of sessions of coaching that actually brings out that person's best in a way that they already have within them that just needs to blossom uh, or and, and could do that on a, a team basis or with a number of teams together as well so that you're building culture while you're building competence and capability. 
love that idea. I'm really keen to do a podcast on coaching versus training because I think oh. they're often viewed as the same thing and they're not um, and, and a bit overlooked on the coaching side. So I think that's mm. really good, uh, good point. Hey, Marianne, I've really enjoyed this discussion. Here's what I've taken away today um, is that um, good customer experience leads to both happier customers, but also happier employees. So, um, you know, it's better, you feel better when you deliver good experience, which is important Mm -hmm. for many reasons we've talked about, mental health, long-term health, not just the actual like health of the business in the way it's providing that. Um, We looked at three steps. Uh, not really three steps, I guess three phases, processes, but the first one was really understanding who your customers are and your promises to them, be it internal or external, and having an having an, an idea, an agreement, a discussion about expectations and promises that are made between those groups, between you and your retail customer or you and your internal customers, um, and ideally having a measure of customer satisfaction somewhere in there. And you mentioned a variety of examples there. I probably add to that 360 reviews if we're talking about internal customer um, and internal stakeholders. And so once we've defined what that means, we then move and have a bit of a chat about service versus experience. And this was your discussion of bringing emotions into play. So what happened and then how did you feel? So the actions versus emotions, the do versus the feeling, storytelling that out, really acknowledging that emotions are a big part of customer experience. And a big part of that is managing our own emotions uh, in this in this process and, and, and having measures and frameworks to manage those emotions in ourselves as we're giving this experience, which leads to the third part, which was then we can, that allows us to have empathy for our customers and their emotions and what they're going through. And if we can manage our emotions and have some empathy for customers, uh, we can respond to them rather than react. And we had a talk about various frameworks and consideration that can be given there. Um, and we've well, talked about a number of different training things that we can do through that. Marion, how did I go? Was I listening? Did I get a reasonable job yeah. summary there? Yeah, wow. I feel like I learned a lot just listening to your summary. <laughs> <laughs> well, I learned a lot by listening, having the discussion. I really enjoyed it today. Right. It's already got me thinking here about some of the things we can do. And I'm okay. now particularly interested in this emotional part of the of my side in, of managing my emotions or managing my team's emotions. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you are in hospitality or retail listener listening to this, um, I guess the question is how much training do you provide around emotional control, emotional intelligence, empathy to people who are out in retail or hospitality? Mm. Marion, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, If people would like to follow up with you about your training or questions they've got or frameworks you'd recommend, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? It's probably easiest to just hit me up uh, through LinkedIn. So um, the spelling of my name is unique. You'll be you'll find me very easily on LinkedIn uh, or go to my website. I'd, I'd love to hear from people and, and continue this conversation. Cool. And so it's Marion, just so we're clear, L-A-W-I-E, Lawie. That's right. Excellent. Yes. They can look you up there. <laughs> hey, Marion, thank you so much for coming today. I've really enjoyed the discussion. Wonderful. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening. No problem. And look, for everyone out there, If you're not subscribed to our podcast yet, this would be a great time to do that. Uh, And you can join us for future discussions. We have regular editions of How to Train Your Workforce. And I look forward to seeing you on another one soon. Have a great day.